This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now one win away from being back in the second round for the first time in more than a decade. 102-93, that was the final score at the Garden today, and it was rocking. I was there. Great place to enjoy a sporting event. Might be the best place to watch a game. Maybe this is a product of, of me being a New York City guy, but... Just that playoff atmosphere. I would love to get to a Ranger game too because I've never I've never been to a professional hockey game. Rangers, you know, hockey's just different, right? Because you know, it, it could just change that quickly. It's the type of game that you're just watching it. You're nervous the entire time. At least with the other sports, football, baseball, basketball, you've got nine innings, four quarters to to feel it out. Now a game could be over early, but there's still a chance. And hockey. All it takes is one little lucky bounce. That puck goes in, and it's it's it's, it's, it's different. Hockey is just a different level. Even if you're not a hockey fan, there's just an, an anxiety that comes with consuming it. Like I was at the Nets game three. What was that Thursday night at the Barclays Center? Um, at the game that they, lo- they they lost every game, but the game they lost late because Royce, Royce O'Neal couldn't figure out that giving the ball to the Sixers is not how you win a basketball game. And so I'm listening to the end of the call with, with Don and, and Dave, and Don is fantastic, by the way. He's, he's excellent. But you just you just hear how, how the, game, the game is being called, how, how fast everything is happening. I don't know how you're a fan. That that's enjoyable. Like obviously it's enjoyable. You're a fan, but you it, you're overcome by so many emotions, so much anxiety. And in that game last night for the Rangers, where you felt like you know here's a chance to take a stranglehold over the series against the Devils at home, you score the first goal, and it felt like you were you were playing you were the better team the entire game. Felt like you were the better team the entire game, but the Devils. Tied it up in that second period, and then in overtime, they won the game. And if you're a Ranger fan, you don't escape that feeling like the better team won. You feel like you were the better team. You you just, for for lack of a better phrase, got got. And, and, and that's the, a hockey type of loss where you could still be the better team, and all it takes is one goal scored in overtime, and now you're staring at a, a pretty pretty big game four uh, between the Devils and the Rangers. So you got those teams in action. The Islanders lost today to the Hurricanes, so they're down 3-1, but they made the playoffs. The Nets were swept out of the playoffs. Embarrassing for the, for the second time, uh, for the second consecutive year, the Nets have been swept out of the playoffs. This one a little bit more explainable. You don't have any real stars on the team. So we'll talk about what the future looks like for them. And then at the Garden today, Knicks taking care of business. I picked the Cavs to win this series in five games. I did. And and folks are coming at me. They're letting me have it. And rightfully so. This is a passionate fan base that if you dare say anything negative about them or something that they don't agree with, they'll come at you. And you have every right to come at me for that. If you want to kill me for R.J. Barrett, though, I'm not trying to hear it. Because he was great today. You know how I know that people agree with me about R.J. Barrett? They just don't want to admit it. Folks went nuts in Game 3. It, it, folks went nuts in Game 3. How many points did he score in Game 3, Jacob? R.J. Barrett. How many points did he score in Game 3? 19. Okay. You would have thought this was MJ 86 against the Celtics when he dropped 63. Like, the way we were talking about, oh, my God, you owe him an apology. He scored 19 points. And look, it was... 
a progression from what was a disaster to so it feels more grand. But to to come on here and say we owe him an apology, I think is a little bit much. Should we give him credit? Absolutely, because he was the second best player on the floor today, and everything about it. So we can look at twenty six points on nine of eighteen shooting. Great. To me, what was most impressive watching him was the confidence, the decisiveness, the the level of attack, the quick decision making, the I'm going to the rim and you're not going to stop me. The I, I get the ball and I don't want to immediately give it back to you. Like there was a level of confidence emanating from him that we just haven't seen enough consistently from a guy who, if we're being honest, I know there are some homers who don't want to be honest, Ray Santiago, if we are being brutally honest, he has been devoid of that. There was an expectation with him, hence giving him the max contract extension, hence all the fans saying this is someone you want to build around and not trade. There was a level of expectation that had failed to, to have been met. And today, we saw on full display when the talent and the results combine with the opportunity, or when the talent meets the opportunity and you get the results, you have every right to be excited. Every right to be excited. Doesn't mean I'm going to sit up here and apologize for what I thought was fair and accurate criticism of him, because I did think in many ways he was holding this team back. And, And at no point prior to... Today, did you feel really good about this guy being the highest paid player on your roster next year? So, no, there's there's no apology necessary. You can give him credit, though. You can absolutely give him credit. And Tom Thibodeau uh, this afternoon spoke about what he's seen from R.J. Barrett and, and how he's been able to be successful. Super aggressive, you know, downhill, getting to the line. But those attacks, I thought... You know, attacking the double teams, getting to the backside, put them in some closeouts, long closeouts, and I thought he read the closeouts well. Uh, the game will tell you what to do. Defensively, I think we, you know, we started the third quarter poorly, but we got better as it went along. The Knicks needed that extra punch, and they got it from R.J. Barrett. Coming into the series, you wondered who would be the third most important player for this team behind Brunson and Randall. Randall struggled today. He, he just didn't have it. Three for ten, seven points. And in the past, the Knicks lose that game. But credit to Jalen Brunson, credit to R.J. Barrett. They became the first pair of Knicks teammates to score 20-plus points in a playoff game since Sprewell and Allen Houston did so. So that's a, I mean, that's a, a pretty impressive feat for two guys, one who just got here, who everyone loves, and, and two, the second guy who's been here for a while, who everyone's waiting to take that next step. Is this is this an aberration or is this the foreshadowing of things to come? Because we've seen in the past us prematurely anoint him after a couple of good performances only to see that regression to the mean come. So that's all I'm saying. I ain't apologizing. Don't dare think you're getting that today. Now, if he, become, he goes on to become a great player, then I can say, yeah, I was wrong. Look, I was wrong about Cavs in five. I, I'll give you that. Was I wrong to be critical of R.J. Barrett? Absolutely not. 800 919 3776. Spring Valley is where we go to talk to James. What's up, James? Yo, Ty, what's going on, bro? Big shout out to the company. Um, first off, I'm an Islander fan. They're done. Islanders are toe, so don't. So I'm sorry, Rick. They're done. That's a as rough far as the Knicks are concerned. That's a rough loss today, mm-hmm. man. That 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 is a, a, a rough loss today for the Islanders. Listen, man, I can see them, man. They don't got enough scoring. It's over. Um, as far as the Knicks is concerned, um, 
two things. Number one, do you think the Knicks will get it done Wednesday or will it be shipped into Friday? Because my biggest fear is Doc Rivers said in Philly, don't play with your food. I thought the Knicks have an opportunity to end this and you don't want to keep a team lingering around. Maybe you have a chance to end them, end them. And number two, I heard you say about R.J. Barrett and, you know, critical of R.J. Barrett. I'm still critical of R.J. Barrett, but I also give him credit where it's due. But do you think that there's a way that he could kind of change his narrative? Because his Knicks tenure has been very lackluster, especially for a guy who is the third overall pick in that draft class with Zion Williamson, John Moran. And don't forget, Ty, the guy behind him Darius Garland. Darius Garland. Yeah, Darius Garland. So, and, I, and, and you and I both know that Garland, to me, is a better player than RJ. Let's be honest. Of course. So, so you know, so my thing is, is there a way that RJ can kind of like, I guess, change his narrative? Because I'm not saying he's a bust, but I'm not, but I'm not, but I'm with you. I'm not going where, oh my God, he's, he's like, he's came. But is there a way he can kind of change his narrative? He can. I guess those are my two biggest questions. He can absolutely change his, his narrative. I, and I'll answer your questions mm-hmm. in reverse order. I appreciate the call. It, it, he can change the narrative about him. And I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was leading into game one of this series. And it was that it was very important for. R.J. Barrett to make a statement in this series after the season that he had that was so disappointing. If you come out here and and dominate and you are one of the biggest reasons the Knicks win a playoff series against a guy that many feel you should have been traded for, that can absolutely change the narrative. That can absolutely start your trajectory, you know, aiming higher. That can alter how we view you going forward because we would be willing to channel that selective amnesia, forget that this past season compared to last year, you dropped in points, rebounds, assists, and you shot the three ball, the worst percentage of your career. We'd be willing to forget how the coach in some big games benched you at the end of the fourth quarter. We'd be willing to forget the regression on defense if it meant that you came out in the playoffs and you balled out to the point where we're like, yeah, all right, we're rolling with this guy. He can be a pivotal piece. He can be an important piece as far as what we're building here. As far as the question you asked about the Knicks ending the series on Wednesday night, look, I'm at a crossroads. I'll be honest. Maybe the closer we get, I'll be able to have a more solid prediction for the game. But – Here's what's staring at me. The Cavs' desperation at home should win Game 5. Can we expect Donovan Mitchell to score two second-half points again in Game 5? No. His playoff resume is what it is. Like He's been one of the best scorers we've seen, frankly, ever, just as far as like points per game in the playoffs. That, that's, that's what the numbers say. We saw him last year. We saw him put up 50 in a playoff game uh, in the bubble against the Nuggets. We, we saw him average 30, what, 36 in that series. He's been awesome in the playoffs. Can we expect him to not be as bad as he's been in the last few games where going back to uh, game three, since game three is, what, 14 of 37? That's not the Donovan Mitchell that we were saying the Knicks should have traded for. Should he be better? Absolutely. But here's what's what's wearing on me. We now have an eight-game sample size of these two teams playing each other this year. Eight games. 
And the Knicks have won six of them, including one without Julius Randle. And the last one they won today, Julius Randle didn't play well. So maybe the Knicks are just better. Maybe they're just the better team, and that's the answer. Some, you know, Ockers raise them. To, sometimes the, the simplest answer is the correct one. Maybe the Knicks are just the better team. But again, I'm conflicted with that versus the Cavs can't possibly lose this series at home in the Game 5, right? Like, that can't happen. That can't happen. Can it? Can it happen? Let's go to Midtown to talk to Subi. What's up, Subi? Hey, Ty. Um, regarding the Knicks, R.J. Barrett, you know, the Knicks fans want R.J. Barrett to be equivalent to Jason Tatum, and that's the sad part, and that's not true. Obviously, we know that Jason Tatum is a supreme talent. Why is that sad, though, Subi? They were, they were both drafted number three overall. Why is that sad? Exactly. You know, it's sad because Jason Tatum's game is similar to Colby's, and R.J. Barrett's game is similar to maybe uh, who, whoever was on the Lakers that was second tier to Colby. So, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, R.J. Barrett is not going to be Jason Tatum, but he can be a supreme defensive talent, as we see in Memphis. They have Jaron Jackson Jr., who's one defensive player of the year. He can be on that level. I know that for a fact because of his athletic ability. Now, the only thing is, is that is this going to go on for five years, you know, back and forth, back and forth, where we keep saying this about R.J. Barrett, and he listens to all this narrative and kind of gets disgruntled about it because he's in New York City. So his job is just to not listen to the haters, not saying that being a hater is the worst thing in the world, but he can evolve his game into something to be part of a Knicks team that's evolving constantly. Unfortunately, we, we, we can see if it gets to the Boston Celtics level. If not, then there's going to need to be changes after a couple of years. That's all i got to say. Well, I appreciate the call. Uh, I, I don't think that it's – and Subi, appreciate it. I don't think that it's unfair to hold him. Now it might be unfair to hold him to the standard that is Jason Tatum. But when you take him number three overall, the expectation is that he is going to be a game changer for your franchise like Tatum was for Boston. And he is someone who's going to be a perennial all-star. We, we haven't seen that from him. So I think that what it comes down to is what you just, what you just outlined. And it's the question I asked. RJ Barrett, is this the foreshadowing of things to come now that you have that one great playoff game at home in your building with the crowd behind you and a big win for your team that's seemingly going to you know, put them in the second round of the playoffs, is that going to unlock something in you where you can now play free with ease, not be an overthinker, and attack the basket the way that you did? Because I don't think he's ever going to become a, a great three-point shooter, but can you become serviceable? Like Obi Toppin is never going to be Steph Curry, but we've seen Obi Top can, can you know can hit some big threes. RJ Barrett, can you become some uh, someone who uh, majority of your game is predicated on you getting to the basket, but hitting open threes and not where do you go today? Oh for six, not going over for six. And I'm, that's not me criticizing him. He, he was great today. We just need to see more consistency. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Uh, the Knicks taking a 3-1 series lead over the Cavaliers today, one by nine at the Garden. They took both games at home 
loud arena, overwhelmed Cleveland. So now they've got a chance to wrap this series up on Wednesday night in Cleveland in Game 5, a game you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN. Before we get back to the phone calls, quick update on a little Sunday night baseball action. you got the Mets up 3-2 to two right now over at San Francisco, a Giants team that has been awful uh, to start this year. There's six games under 500. The, net, uh, the Mets were down to nothing after two innings, but after a, a run, they scored in the third inning, put two more on the board in the fourth inning. So now they lead this one three to two with Tyler McGill on the mound. So we will keep you posted on that game. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Queens where we talk to Mel. What's up, Mel? Yo, what's going on, Ty? What up? Um, now, my comment is I'm not like a bias. I'm not a Knicks fan, but I watch the Knicks because okay. I live in New York. Let's hear it. And I always like R.J. Barrett, Barrett's game, right? I personally feel like, you know, two things. The first thing is that I personally feel like one of the issues with R.J. Barrett is Thibodeau has never been a coach to develop young talent. What gets Thibodeau, what, what gets Thibodeau in trouble sometimes is that we get young talent, like they playing defense, right? Then he'll give them like a bunch of minutes, right? But say like a guy like R.J., he might not be a great defender. If he's not a great defender – and he's having those moments, like he's like pretty pretty much just shutting him down. He's not really, you know, being able to get in the flow in the offense. And Bibbs has never been an offensive coach. He's been great at defense. So a lot of times he gets in trouble with a lot of his young talent. The way R.J. Barrett played today, he can play this way on a regular basis, but sometimes you need that coach to, you know, to bring it out. There are other coaches that coach – Kobe and Michael and Shaq and some of the greats, and they couldn't get it done. But when you put Phil Jackson with them, you get a different type of player. So, like I said, I'm not comparing R.J. Barrett to them. I just feel like for him to reach his maximum potential, you know, I don't think that this in the long run is going to be the coach. Mel, let me just pause you for a second. I'll let you continue. How would you explain Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose, young players, blossoming under Tom Thibodeau? Well, that's what I said. I said, Dibodeau, you got to understand, he just let him ball. And, you know, Rose, Rose is, a, is a special player, right? Um, Butler, he came, you know, he had Rondo when he played. He had Wade. He had Rose. He played with Rose. So Butler kind of, like, came in. Butler's a dog, and he, he did his thing. But you got to think about it. What about Carl Anthony Towns? What about when he was there with uh, D'Angelo Russell and all those players in Minnesota? So he had a good run with Rose, but Rose is exceptional talent. I'm not putting R.J. Barrett in the same league as Derrick Rose, but I feel like Derrick, I feel like R.J. Barrett could be a star in his league, and I feel like I, you, I don't want Thibs to waste that. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying like you know Thibs is a horrible coach. I just personally see Thibs as more of an assistant coach that specializes in defense, and I feel like he could win you a playoff series, but I don't think he would never win a championship as the head coach. He can definitely win multiple championships as an assistant coach, and I think, I think that would be their stumbling block. I think that's unfair. Anything else you got for me? You want you you said I do owe RJ Barrett an apology. Is that what my screen the call? Well, because that? like he played good last game. Yes, he had 19 points, but he had good 19 points. Yeah. He played an all around game. Even in the first two games, I mean, he the first game when he kind of struggled offensively, he played an all around game with rebounds. Don't assists, give me that. Stop steals. it, Mel, 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 Don't don't insult don't don't insult everyone's intelligence listening to this show. You're, you're giving me rebound. Stop it. He was awful in the game. He was no. awful in game two. 
Right, but here's what I'm saying. We, we say it's awful because there's not – think about this. There were games with Joe and probably or Kobe and them guys, right, before they when they, was, when they was playing, right, they might shoot two for 15 in the first half, but then the second half they might go 10 for 14. But with them, you're not going to get that. Like, Trey Young, Zion, they struggling. They're going to be able to shoot their way out. Once um, R.J. starts struggling, he's not able to shoot his way out, and they just can't be only three-pointers because he can't shoot three-pointers. Wade, um, Dwayne Wade, DeRozan, Levine. So here's the problem with your argument. Tom Thibodeau okay. was the same coach in game. Is, Thibodeau, correct me if I'm wrong. Jacob Harvey, you guys can correct me uh-huh. if I'm wrong. Tom Thibodeau was coaching games one and two of this series when R.J. Barrett stru- struggled. He also coached games three and four of this series when R.J. Barrett played well. So it's not like the Knicks all of a sudden changed coaches mid-series and now that unlocked R.J. Barrett. Well, what, what unlocks Andre Barry is that he has to switch with Randall. Dibs put too much stock into Randall. Randall cannot finish games. He cannot close games. He turns the ball over. He does all this stuff. Let let R.J. Barrett be the one to make those mistakes. He has a higher ceiling. He's the better talent. I'd rather see that from R.J. Barrett right now and let him grow because Randall already reached his ceiling, and I feel like he put in so much stock. The last two games, Randall struggled, and R.J. Barrett played well. So I'm saying is that Dibs have to switch it. It's Brunson. Barrett, Randall. It can't be Randall, Brunson, Howe's been going all season if they want to win. Okay. So look at the difference. I appreciate the call, Mel. I I disagree with it. I I don't think that we're going to ask a guy who averaged 25, 10, and 4, was an all-star for the second time in three years, to now sit on the bench and let R.J. Barrett cook. But if that's your philosophy, then I would would have to disagree with that. We go to Long Beach to talk to Joe. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's going on, Ty? You know what? That other fan, he needs to slap himself because R.J. Barrett, you know, he, he had a good game today, no doubt. But if you look at his body of work, I agree with you. You know, he hasn't lived up to expectations. But who cares about that? I wanted to call you and talk about the Villanova backcourt. Did you see them today? Uh, absolutely. They were Each fans. one of them. Josh Hart and Jalen yeah, no. Brunson. I mean, listen. I, I, go ahead. Let, let, I'll, I'll let you start it off. Go ahead. Okay. I just want to make this small point. The chemistry that they have is clear from when they had it in college to what you're seeing now in the NBA. And what it's translating for the Knicks is it's giving us something that we haven't had since ever. A backcourt, a point guard, someone at the end of the game that knows what they're doing, what the clock, how many timeouts there are, what the situation is, and you have confidence in Jalen Brunson, that he's going to make the right play. And if he misses, I feel like Josh Hart is going to come in, grab the rebound, and kick it out for another possession. That's what I saw today. Yeah, and it's it's it was what, what was evident all over today. And I appreciate the call, Joe. Jalen Brunson, I mean, he hits big shot after big shot. But what's most impressive, and this is like the nerdy, you know, basketball part of it, when so the Cavs are trapping him on those high screen rolls. And he's not forcing it. He's not trying to do too much. He is going to make that extra pass every single time down. And when that extra pass is made to R.J. Barrett, who's now driving to the basket and scoring, or it's made to, you know, it's made to quickly, who's going to drive to the basket and kick to someone else, or it's made to Randall, and those guys scores, 
now now it looks better for for the entirety of the offense because Jalen Brunson is always going to make the right play. Jalen Brunson is never going to be a guy who, because he's got 35 and he's cooking, all of a sudden when the double team comes, is going to shoot his way over the double team. He understands how to play the game. He understands that in order for him to be at his absolute best, it requires him not deviating from the unselfishness that has gotten him to this point. And, and it helped him cook with Luka in, in the playoffs last year that, that got them to the Western Conference Finals. And so far, it's been working with the Knicks. Jalen Brunson brings a calming presence to the floor. And, and, and look, you know I, I've defended Randall. When Randall is your primary ball handler, it, it, it takes away from a lot, obviously. One of the things is you don't necessarily trust him when he's got the ball in his hands, when the double team comes, because he's going to do that spin move, then they're just going to swipe it away. Whereas Jalen Brunson, he's got court vision, he's got ball handling skills, where you never feel like a defense is going to overwhelm you significantly enough where your offense is just going to be nullified. Because Jalen Brunson has been that good. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. There we go. A couple updates scoring-wise. All right, so the Mets, last we spoke, were up 3-2 over the Giants' Sunday night baseball affair. They were up 3-2. Right now, the Giants just put two on the board, and they're home half of the fourth, so they take a 4-3 lead over the Mets. This is... um, the finale of a three-game series. Both teams split the first two games, so this is the rubber game. Mets looking to you know keep pace with the Braves right now. They are uh, atop that NFC East division, and it's early. Uh, you don't want to get too caught up in the standings, but the Braves expected to be an elite team. The Mets, of course, dealing with some injuries, but uh, right now fourteen and eight. The Braves are also fourteen and eight. Mets have played well. Eight and two in their last ten games. You know, Scherzer's dealing with the ten game suspension. Verlander, you know, you you don't have him, and Marte was dealing with an injury this week. So it's just uh, they've been hit hard with some injuries, but they continue to perform well. And it's a year where they're expected to to make some noise in the playoffs. I can't get behind this idea that you know as long as you just win a playoff series, no, you you got a payroll that is so exorbitant that if you don't at least get to the World Series, in my mind, that would be a failure. 800-919-3776. We're reacting to the Knicks beating the Cavs today at the Garden. Let's head to Flushing to talk to Manny. What's up, Manny? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well, man. What's up? How you doing? Good, man. Listen, um, look, I, I, I missed most of the game, but, uh, but I, I watched a little bit, and then I missed most of it because I do something, but... I actually look at it at the at my phone with a notification one hundred two ninety three uh, overall. I, I, I you know I think you know overall the Knicks are playing good, but I think they're the ones with most pressure than Cleveland because they're leading the series. They don't want to be in a situation where they lose Game Five and then Game Six get they're going to be at home man and the momentum is on Cleveland, not the Knicks. Because remember, like the last time they won a playoff series, I think. I think it was in Boston where they were up three games to none, and then they lost two straight. They and then game six of that I remember that that game in Celtics where they're up by twenty, and then they almost blew the lead, but they managed to win it off. The Knicks haven't recovered the next series when they lost to Indiana, so I think that 
game five is a must-win game because you don't want to be in a situation where they where, uh, where they have to come home on game six and and the momentum is on Cleveland, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Appreciate the call, uh, Manny. If you go back to that series uh, in twenty the 2012-2013 season, it was Knicks-Celtics. Knicks were the two seeds, Celtics were the seven. Knicks did take the first three games of the series, and if you remember, they did something ridiculous. Like, they showed up wearing all black because it was supposed to be a funeral for Boston, and then Boston won the next two games, so it got a little bit dicey, and the Knicks were able to win game six. You were staring at a disaster. I'm with you. This is the type of thing where there there is an inclination, if you're a fan, to kind of get ahead of yourself and say, you know what? I want to win this at home. It would be great to to win our first playoff series in more than a decade. Do it at home in front of your fans so we could all celebrate. You don't want to play with fire. You don't want to play with fire. You do not want to resurrect a team that right now looks pretty lifeless. The Cavs in Game 2 were outstanding. Garland put a phenomenal first half together, and they pretty much coasted the rest of the way. They were up 20 at halftime. It ballooned to 27, and the Knicks were never in that game after the first couple of minutes. When the series shifted to New York, something happened where the Cavs and the inexperience of the Cavs it looked like it just shook them, that the Garden energy just shook them. And a lot of it has to do with, obviously, the Knicks put together a game plan. Defensively, they've been elite. Rebounding on both ends, they've been awesome. Jalen Brunson, yes, all all of that is like the major reason, are the major reasons why the Knicks are winning this series. But the Cavs just look shook in the garden. So now you figure they go home, feel a little bit more comfortable. Maybe you'll get better performances out of Donovan Mitchell. I keep mentioning his last two games, he's 14 of 37. You expect him to be better just because his playoff resume would indicate he should be better. And and maybe you get a little bit of a boost from your bench. They win that game. Then you don't say all the pressures on the Knicks because the Cavs, they lose and they're done. But you certainly start to feel anxiety if you are you go from being up 3-1 to now you're back home in a 3-2 series situation where you feel like you have to win. Because you go back to you go back to Cleveland for Game Seven, and nobody wants that. So you get this series over as quickly as possible. You take care of business on Wednesday. I I, I picked the Cavs to win the series in five games. So obviously, what I'm about to say goes against what I thought to start the series. But when you now have eight games of evidence that shows you're the better team, then the expectation should be that you go out there and you get things done. Moses, what's up? He's calling in from New Rochelle. What do you got, Moses? Hey, Moses, we got you? I'll put you on hold, Moses. We'll figure that situation out. Tino, calling from Staten Island. What's up, Tino? Yo, what's up, Ty? How are you, brother? I'm doing well, man. Talk to me. What's going on? Uh, so, Ty, I was at the game today with my son, and it was phenomenal, dude. The electricity in there, how loud everybody was. It's nothing like Knicks playoff basketball in the garden, winning, but... I don't want to be the negative Nelly because I am a big Randall guy. But what I saw today really got me upset. What happened? His body body language today was the worst I've ever seen. I'm talking to a guy that I watch every single game. I root for Randall probably more than anybody. But today it felt like, you know what? 
my shot's not going in. I'm not going to play any defense. I'm going to mope back, not try to grab a rebound. During a timeout tie, everybody was in the huddle. Randall was hiding in the corner by himself. And I tell my son, I'm like, look at Randall. He's not even in the huddle with the, with the guys. What happened was JB got out of, the, out of the, the huddle to walk over to Randall to speak to him. What JB told him, I don't know, obviously, because I saw it from a distance. But I, I kept zooming into it. I just said to myself, this is not normal, dude. You're not even going to be in a the huddle there? And I commend Tibbs for what he did for benching him the fourth quarter because he usually brings him back in the six-minute mark. But he rode Obi, and I'm not an Obi guy. I don't think Obi's that good. But what he did today, Obi came to play, and he did something that he hasn't done all year, was rebound and play defense. <laughs> I think it's becoming infectious because you watch, you watch Deuce McBride come in in the second quarter. He hit a three. I mean, he locked. <laughs> he not only hit a three, yeah. got a charge on Donovan Mitchell, yep. and had Donovan Mitchell shook. Donovan Mitchell couldn't go anywhere. These guys, they take on the challenge. You're talking IQ comes in the game. JB started, Garland started cooking him in the third quarter. Literally was going at JB. What happens is, all right, time to make an adjustment. He put in IQ, threw IQ on Garland. IQ, Garland never scored the rest of the game until he hit a late three in the, corner, in the fourth quarter with like a garbage three with about a minute to go. My point is, is that Randall cannot be doing this going forward. If your shot's not going in and his shot has been so off, it's not like it's getting close. He's wide left, wide right, front rim. Dude, play defense and rebound the ball. That's all I'm asking from you. That's it. Listen, Tino, so you were at the game. I was at the game. I appreciate the call. I was not listening to the broadcast or watching the broadcast. Obviously, I'm in attendance for the game. But I did. I was passed this, this note along earlier, and apparently Mark Jackson was raving about Julius Randle and how – and it differs from what you're saying. His interpretation of, of Julius Randle's body language and energy on the bench is like it pales, into, it pales in comparison to what you're saying. He said, and this is a quote from Mark Jackson, you know, I, I'm seeing star players sit out. Julius Randle's clapping it up, high-fiving guys during the timeout. He's engaged, he's standing, and he wanted to acknowledge that this is something he needs credit for. Now, I'm not going to go out and say what you're saying is wrong. I can't tell you what you saw was, was wrong. Maybe you did see that. Uh, but from my vantage point, I didn't see Julius Randle. All I can go by is what I heard Mark Jackson uh, say on the broadcast or what was said to me that Mark Jackson said on the broadcast. And I, I, I don't see anywhere else that anyone's you know having a big issue with Julius Randle. The fact of the matter is he didn't play well today. I don't know how much of that has to do with injury. I don't know how much of that has to do with him not being 100% from his ankle injury. But the the most important takeaway to me is that he was benched for the fourth quarter. The Knicks played well, and they rode the hot hands to victory. And if Julius Randle is going to be a major part of this equation going forward he has to be able to adjust to that and I didn't see any problems with you know the way he handled himself I know people want to come for Julius everything he he does becomes magnified part of it is his fault because of what we've seen in the past blow-ups and you know failing in playoff series but to me this is just us having to table that for a moment and just focus on the fact that they're up 3-1 in the series with a chance to get to the second round. And that is despite Randall going 3-for-10. Because Brunson was great. 
RJ Barrett was fantastic, and the bench showed up. And the fans showed up, and now you head to Cleveland with a chance to put this series in the bag and possibly look ahead to Giannis's Bucks or the Miami Heat, a team you've handled. Uh, so, by the way, before we hit a quick break and, get, and then get back to your phone calls, did get this note from our, uh, our hot list at ESPN. Giannis put some work in before Game 4. His status is still unclear, but they did have him do some work individually on the court. Bucks down to one in the series. They could really use their MVP back in the lineup, so we'll see what happens. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Freehold is where we go to talk to John. What up, John? Hey, Ty. How you doing, my friend? Doing well, man. It's been a long time since we heard from you. How's everything going? I'm always listening, my friend. I'm always listening. Got a lot of family stuff going on, but I'm always listening, enjoying the show tonight. You're doing a great job. Appreciate that, man. Hope Um, all is well with you and the family. Thank you. The same for you, my friend. Always a pleasure talking to you. Um, Listen, I've heard a lot tonight with uh, R.J. Barrett and uh, Tom Thibodeau and Julius Randle. Guys, could we just pump the brakes and take it easy? Take a step back. You know, take a deep breath and enjoy what's happening at the moment right now. R.J. Barrett is a very young player, all right? Is he perfect? No. Does he need to improve his game? Yes. To me, when I evaluate R.J. Barrett, not just today, but in his, in his totality as a Nick since being drafted, the two things that I see with him are confidence and consistency that are holding this young man, man back. You saw at the end of the game when he came off the floor that Larry Johnson had a side conversation with him before he entered the locker room, and I'm sure that's what he told him. Keep your head up, keep your confidence high, believe in yourself, and just keep working, keep grinding. You know, somebody mentioned Jimmy Butler earlier, Ty. Jimmy Butler came into the league with no offensive game whatsoever, and he was led by head coach Tom Thibodeau. He's come leaps and bounds in his shooting ability. Am I going to say that R.J. Barrett's ever going to be Reggie Miller or, or, you know, Curry? No, I'm not saying that. I can't say that. But R.J. Barrett just needs to continue to put his head down, Keep working hard, believe in his in himself, and it's all going to be up to him. All right, Tom Thibodeau and his coaching staff could only do so much. It's ultimately up to the player to put to believe in himself, put in the work, and improve his game from year to year. I think there's a long way to go with this young man. I think he can grow leaps and bounds from where he is today. I think we just need to exhibit some patience. As far as Julius Randle's concerned, I think you got two issues with Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle's ankle still isn't 100 percent. And for whatever reason, I think Julius Randle is overthinking, and he, uh, he tightens up in the playoffs. For whatever that reason is in his mind, uh, he loses confidence. He doesn't believe. He overthinks. W- w- whatever the issue is, he has to overcome that because we're seeing this over an extended period of time now, several playoff runs. Uh, you saw it in the Hawks series. You're seeing it in this series now that he just seems to be overthinking. He seems to be lacking confidence. He's not fluid on the floor, and I don't think that's an- that ankle is 100%, and I think that's your problem. I think that ankle gets 100%. I think his mindset changes, and he becomes more confident and more aggressive and has more fluidity and belief in his game. I think you'll see the Julius Randle that you saw in the regular season. And to close with you, Ty, I know you're a big Jet fan like I am with the draft coming up uh, this week. Get the kid out of Ohio State with that first-round pick, 13th overall. Cut Corey Davis. 
and bring me uh, Frank Clark as a free agent to come off the edge as a free agent. Use the money that you save in cutting uh, Corey Davis and bring in Frank Clark, all-time sacks leader in the playoffs. And if you're going to bring in Aaron Rodgers, you know you're looking to win big. That's exactly what the Jets need. And then you go offensive line and linebacker with the rest of your draft picks this year. I like it, John. Really appreciate hearing from you, man. Have a good night. John from Freehold bringing the fire. It's so funny. When you are a Jet fan, you're customarily looking at mock drafts really beginning in October because your season usually ends sometime late. September, early October. So we're looking at mock drafts, and I was saying to a, a, a jet friend, of, a jet fan who's a friend of mine, yesterday, it doesn't even feel like the draft is coming up, and it's because I haven't really paid too much attention to the mock drafts because it's not like oh, top five pick, top ten pick. We're looking for a quarterback. Thirteen is still a nice place to be, and you're going to get hopefully a guy who can contribute for the next decade, a, a Pro Bowler, but. We've been so, you know, oversaturated saturated with the Aaron Rodgers stuff and then not having that top five, top ten pick and not looking for a quarterback has me thinking that the draft is uh, further away than it actually is. So it feels good to be in a position where there's some legitimate expectations. Uh, we'll talk some Jets coming up going forward in our number three. Mark in Melville wants to chop it up. What's up, Mark? Hey, how's it going, Ty? Going well, man. What's up? Laying on me. Look, hey, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of people are talking about um a lot of people kind of forget um about the fact that Scott Perry put this team together. Not a lot of people are giving Scott Perry a lot of um a lot of credit. I hear a lot of um you know, I hear a lot of, of um you know, of 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 uh, the president Leon Rose and everything. But let me tell you, Scott Perry put together an amazing team. And, um, you know, just like, like back in the days where he, um, he, um, he put together that, that team in, um, in Detroit, you know, um, I'm, I'm watching the game. I'm like a lifelong, uh, Knicks fan. And I mean, looking at these guys, these, I think Scott Perry is just with the, with the draft moves that he he's made in the past and the, the you know and everything, yeah. You know we can't say we we can't say uh, enough about Scott Perry. Yeah, and here's the thing, Mark. I and I appreciate the call. Uh, another thing that's that's happening right now, that's going a little under the radar, is we are watching the unfolding of the best case scenario for this front office. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN.